We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is up, everyone, and welcome to the uncontested post-game podcast edition. I am your host for tonight, Nick, joined by Taylor and Jacob. We got a three-man show for the season opener, and the Thunder lost to the Timberwolves by a final score of 115-108. to 108. We are proudly part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network and DailyThunder.com. If you don't already, please be sure to subscribe anywhere you listen to your podcast. Leave us a five-star rating. And you can also find additional content on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook. We've even got Taylor fired us up on TikTok. So the game tonight, awesome game. Lots of ups, lots of downs, what you expect in a season opener. But things got interesting even before the game started. The starting lineup, to be honest, guys, kind of blew my mind. Like I thought there was a chance that Pokashevsky could start. And for those listening, the starting lineup was... Josh Giddy, Shea Gildas Alexander, Lou Dort, Alexei Pokashevsky, and Kenrich Williams. I thought, I think probably all of us thought Pokashevsky maybe had earned a starting spot. But I think we also thought JRE had locked in that starting five. But Poku slid over to the five, and then we had a Giddy, Kenrich Williams kind of three, four combo forward front court. What did you think of that starting lineup before the game even started? I was taken aback. Like, we talked for so long leading up to this opener. Oh, the Timberwolves are huge. Cat and Gobert in the front court. And Mark Dignall just said, F it. I'm going to do what I want to do. And when you sit back and think about it, like, Puku on Gobert is fine. Like, if you watch that first quarter, and, and we'll get into this. I thought the, the first half defense was absolute dog shit. But <laughs> Poku... Anytime Gobert was out on the perimeter, Go- Poku basically put his feet on the free throw line and just stuck his long arms out, right? Like defensively, it wasn't a liability because Gobert wasn't going to try to abuse you down low. Uh, the problem arose with Ken Rich on Carl Anthony Towns and uh, the Thunder's insistence on bringing a double every time. I think Cat had like seven assists at halftime or something like that. Um, but 
very surprising. I thought they would go big bodies in the front court. I even thought there was a chance we'd get like a J. Will JRE front court tonight just to have some thickness out there. Nope. Totally out of left field. I was pretty shocked as well. Um, and I think, you know, to your point, Jacob, and and we'll get into this obviously, but it led to some issues, maybe some um in terms of like the the offensive system, I don't think it, it flowed quite as smoothly as it could have. Uh, and, and we kind of saw that as the game progressed, as the lineups got adjusted. However, all that being said, um, per usual, I was the last person on this stream before we got fired up. And that's because I was looking and and, and watching Dignault's uh, post-game presser at media availability. One thing he mentioned, he re- reiterated again that, you know, he, he kind of talked about his reasoning for the starting lineup. But then he ended it with, again, this is going to be fluid, ever-changing. So guys, like, I really don't know if we are going to, are going to see a consistent starting lineup. And I, I find that really interesting. See, I think that we'll was, have a starting That was my three. first thought. That was yeah. my first thought when I saw that was, is this the Minnesota Timberwolves starting lineup for matchup purposes, which you really can't match up because you don't have a real center on this team? Or I guess I should say an experienced real center. Um like could could we see a completely different lineup against Denver on Saturday? I would not be shocked if JRE starts Saturday at the five. You a think... little bit bigger body because Nikola Jokic likes to play back to the basket basketball. That would not shock me at all. But yeah, it feels like the Thunder have a starting three and then a revolving door, which I'm not the host of this podcast, Nick is, but I'm pulling a page out of Nick's book and I'm I'm seizing control. Uh, storming the Capitol. I'm taking over here for a minute and I'm flipping that, flipping this back on Nick. Nick, do you view three, three solidified starters, Shay, Lou, Josh, and then two wild cards as a positive sign of the Thunder's versatility or a negative sign that no one separated themselves as a daggum starter? Um, <clears throat> I think it's, it's, Positive and negative. I, I do think that it's negative that nobody solidified themselves. Like, it wouldn't shock me to see Baisley and JRE both start against Denver on That's, Saturday. I was going to say that, yep. Um, but I do think I it's positive because because <laughs> having that revolving door and the ability to plug guys in and, and pull them out gives you additional scenarios. Like, people always like to talk about, like, Usman Jang, for example. How many minutes is he going to play as a rookie um, is he going to be blue? Is he going to be um, thunder? Like how many minutes is he going to play per game? Is it going to fluctuate throughout the year? I almost think what's more important is the situations he's put in. Like, I don't care if he plays 15 minutes or 18 minutes. I care if he, did he start games and get that experience? Did he close games and get that experience? Did he play these, you know, situations where it's 15 seconds before half and you have to get a stop. And he's the guy that gets that, you know, like those are the types of things that I want to see these young guys get the opportunity to do and being a starter is one of those. So I think it's a positive in that respect. And that's fair. Yeah. So another big theme. And again, this is just one night. It's really hard to analyze the first game of the season. Not only is it a one game sample size, the first time these guys have played all real basketball before with SGA, but coming into this game, I assumed this season Lou Dort would be the secondary scorer for this team. Tonight, he struggled quite a bit. Do you guys think there's a chance? Like, could Trey Mann be the second leading scorer off the bench? Um, could Josh Giddy get more aggressive and be that second leading scorer? Do you guys still think, after what you saw tonight, that Lou Dort is the second scoring punch on this team? 
he certainly took the opportunities or, or, or took the shot attempts to to be that second scorer. <laughs> it did not look good. It did not look good at all. And in fact, um, you know, obviously J Dub gets hurt. We'll get into that. Um, but even you know, I I understand the defensive impact that Lou Dort has, even if it's not like him locking down defender one on one on the perimeter. You know, he he plays very solid team defense as well. So I understand him, uh, his defensive leadership, those being uh, reasons that they don't would want to have him on the floor. But I've got to be honest, I was pretty disappointed with his offensive performance. A little too much aggression for him on offense. Um, I would like to see some of those shot attempts. I tweeted this out, and Nick, I think you and I even talked a little bit about it in the Slack or um, between the uncontested account and my account. I would like to see some of those uh, offensive attempts, offensive opportunities, maybe is the better term there, go to players like a Trey Mann or even a Josh Giddy. It seemed to me, and again, maybe this is a completely different topic, but Josh Giddy was um, definitely trying to be more of a distributor, playing alongside guys like you know, with Shea back, for example, Lou there. I would like to see him get some more offensive opportunities when it comes to scoring and, and shot attempts rather than Lou you know, kind of going all out and, and trying to do those things, if that makes any sense. So that's a long way to say that I was a little disappointed in that. And, and I hope to see uh, Lou a little more honed in, I think, and, and more of a, a defined role moving forward. Lou Dort looks like the opposite of preseason. Like he came out hot in the preseason. He had like, what, 20, was it 23 points in the first half of that first game? Mm-hmm. Um, Against quite a non-NBA team. Sure, sure. You know, but like Taylor said, he he took the shots. Like I think he was sec. No, he's third on the team with twelve shot attempts. I think Josh had fourteen. Poku had ten. Um, and he was three of twelve. Trey and had, one Trey of six, had eleven. Six of those came from the three point line for Lou. Yeah, my problem I don't was, necessarily like that either. I mean, well, I, I thought he should have taken more threes. There were multiple really? possessions, especially in the fourth, where there was a drive and a kick, a beautiful setup, and Lou would catch at the three point line instead of pulling it. He hesitated for a moment and then put it on the floor and drove into like a crowd of three or four. Um, and it ended up being a very poor possession. I thought the offense definitely got humming more in that second half. And I thought those were some momentum killers. Yeah, I'm with you. Well, one thing I've been curious about, and this is not a new phenomenon. This this happened the past couple of years, really. Um, the Thunder, so tonight, the Timberwolves are probably the biggest front court they'll go up against with Cat and Rudy Gobert. They out-rebounded them. And that's happened a lot, even last year. Like, they were super undersized. Like, this team, we talk about them having no center this year. They also didn't last year. And they still were just fine on the boards. Many games, they either were, like, right up there, tying them in the rebounding category or or exceeded them in rebounding. And the Thunder had two more boards than Minnesota tonight. Is that a scheme thing? Like, when you guys look at that stat, why is Oklahoma City effective without having a real big? I mean... I think part of it is just because they gang rebound. I saw a lot of that tonight, especially like surrounding Rudy Gobert. And they just have a lot of guys that can go get it. Reading down the rebound numbers tonight. Listen to this, guys. Uh, 7, 6, 6, 6, 11, 6, 5, 4. I mean, there's one 11 that really pops, which is Josh Giddy, But the rest of them, everyone has 4, 5, 6, or 7 rebounds. So it's not... They don't have a a Miles Turner, a Dwight Howard back in the day that's just going to swallow up rebounds, a Moses Brown. It's just a, a a gang effort. And I thought like Poku, especially in the offensive glass, was very impressive tonight, just keeping plays alive. 
um, it's a real strength so far. Yeah. And, and I'm interested to see how they continue doing that moving forward. But I think a big benefit of it is just those those damn arms. They yeah. got a lot of them, and they, yeah. they stretch out a long ways. So this is actually really interesting, um, especially because I read this article uh, earlier today around lunchtime, and then I saw the starting lineup, and I knew it, it, it kind of fit with what this article was talking about. And I'm inferring uh, about the article, Matt Issa of Basketball News interviewed Mike Muscala one-on-one. And one thing that Muscala mentioned, in fact, he's actually working with the the same uh, charity that he worked with in the bubble. For every May 3, he donated $100. Well, this season, every offensive rebound, he's going to donate $100. And I Love think the that. team's going to do something really cool as well with that. However, uh, he was asked you know, a little further about that. And I'm sorry, I had to scroll back up. Here we go. So... Um, you know, basically he was asked, you know, OKC finished 12th in offensive rebounds per game last season. Um, that's already a really solid mark, but there's always room for improvement. Why offensive rebounds? Why is that a focus for this team this season? And to kind of paraphrase here, he said, yeah, we've talked about it as a team. We have tactics that we focus on in practice, um, specific times to crash the boards, especially cutting from the corners. I found that interesting, right? Especially if you're a small lineup like that. For example, Kenrich Williams was playing centers and playing the center position in a couple of these lineups yep. early on in the game. Talk about cutters, you know, right? Like <laughs> cutting to the basket and getting those offensive rebounds. But if you just cut with a purpose, Muscala said, even if you don't get the ball and have the awareness to go up and try to rebound, and he actually mentioned like a, a Batum last year, I feel like he did a really good job of cutting, keeping possessions alive, et cetera, et cetera. Anyways, he mentioned that being a, a really focal point for this Thunder offense this season. I found that really interesting because we've talked a lot about that this, uh, the, this offseason le- leading into this regular season about those guys moving off ball, cutting, and, and, and you know, playing these versatile lineups. Offensive rebounds, rebounds in general are going to be very, very important if you're not playing with size. And we saw that tonight. And it, it reminds me a lot of the defensive success they had last year, too. Like they don't necessarily have all these fantastic team defenders. I think Mark has a really solid system and guys are bought in and they've got ways to combat the sort of weaknesses that this team has on the peripheral, like the rebounding, the bunch of young guys that typically aren't great at defense. Like the Thunder still figure out how to make those things work. Um, two, two more primary themes I want to talk through, but they're sort of related to the end of the game. So I want to give a, a brief overview of, of how the game kind of went. So, and I'll, I'll ask you guys questions here as well. So first quarter, Hard to watch, frankly. A lot of turnovers. Shea is really struggling. Oklahoma City scores 22 points in the first quarter. I don't think we even need to talk about that, just given it's the first quarter of the first game. It's just, it's rust. It happens. Second quarter, though, the Thunder started to pick things up a little bit. They actually tied the Timberwolves in that quarter. Both teams scored 30 points. They were down 13 entering the quarter. They were down 13 at the end of the quarter. So they go into halftime down double digits. As you... Moving to the second half, there's really two ways this can go. Either Minnesota blows you out of the water. They, they push that lead from 13 to 20 plus and it gets ugly real quick. Or the Thunder can bounce back. And it seemed like early in the third, they were going to blow them out a bit. I think they got the lead up to 16 or 17. And then you blink your eye, you check your phone. Taylor's on TikTok. He looks up. And it's like a four-point game. And Shea is absolutely going off. I just want you guys to talk about... The struggle in the first half from Shea, you know, he's super inefficient, like looked really, really bad offensively. 
looked very tired as well from not playing preseason. What did you see from him in the third? So, Jacob, you take it, but just for context, uh, Nick alluded to it. OKC was now 16. They went on a 12-0 third quarter run. They were only down four at that point. And then to Nick's point, Shea started doing it. I think I, I put that Shea went into Shavante mode. Yes. At that point of the game. The first half, I don't know. I, I think you guys would agree with me. The off, like I don't know how to describe it. The offense had a lack of aggressiveness, a lack of assertiveness. Everyone was playing so tight. It was like everyone playing with puckered buttholes. Yep, one hundred percent. It was it just everything looked so forced. It looked like they were really turning up. the gears in their head. Like, yep, I've caught this. Do I swing it? Do I dribble it? Do I shoot it? Like just like, hoop. Yeah, they weren't hooping. They were just like. They were swinging the ball in the perimeter, which passing the ball is good, but like it wasn't leading to shifting defense. It was just passing for the purpose of passing. Really ugly stuff. Shea would drive into like a crowd, and coach even said it after the game. They Shea and Josh played slow, and they needed to speed it up. In the second half, they sped it up, and that third quarter specifically, Nick. I mean, they got it going. Shea was hitting like those those pull ups, those midi pull ups, those step backs. Uh, really got in his bag and, and got cooking. You mentioned how bad the first quarter was for him and how ugly it looked. And I think he was like three of 10 or something at one yeah. point in this game. And he ends 12 of 23 shooting yeah, over, 50%. over 50%. That was, that was huge. I mean, this man just caught fire in the second half. Um, I, I don't know if you're getting to this as well, Nick, but one thing that we do need to note from that first quarter, I know we've already moved on to the, the or not the first quarter, but the first half, having moved on to the second half. Um, apparently, we're not allowed to have nice things. First, we lose our number two pick. Yeah. Tonight, we lose our number 12 pick. It looked a little something like this. Uh, if you're not on the stream, you should be. I have a picture of uh, some old school wrestler <laughs> dropping the people's elbow. Jeez. That was disgusting what happened. To, I mean, it, completely unintentional. Yeah, yeah. But J-Dub got KO'd, man. Like, that was a nasty elbow. I'm... Anyone going to be surprised if we wake up tomorrow morning to a Thunder PR tweet that says he's entered concussion protocol? I, I mean, I'd be shocked because if it was if it was anything else, like yes, his eye was like swollen shut almost by the time he left the court, but just having a swollen eye doesn't necessarily like. I wouldn't think that would keep him out of the rest of his rookie debut. Like I think if he was okay, he would be playing his rookie debut. And he might be coming back his next game with an eye patch. For real. That's right. Looking like uh, Amon Targaryen. Well, I was going to say to Amon Targaryen. I was going to say to Nick's point, flip that knife open, cut that thing up uh, Rocky style, open, or open that thing up Rocky style, and <laughs> he's good to go. It'll swell up overnight, but... Come on, J-Dub. Yeah. He was playing no, good, I, too. Yeah. I mean, he, he had was... some fouls. He had a charge, but splashed a three, had a nasty... It's like a fadeaway, like, push shot. Yeah. Yeah, uh, a nice little lob to when the offense Baisley. was desperately needed, and yeah. I think that like they don't really trusted him, you know, as a rookie to come in there and give Hurts them that off the bench. Part. And also to be able to play, I mean, he played him in a small ball lineup, trusting him defensively as well, which I thought was really cool. Hopefully, I mean, we'll move on to the next point, but I really hope, like you guys mentioned, it's not a long term. Uh, I say long term. You know, it's not like the next two games or whatever. He's going to be out, and we'll see more J Dub because I was uh, really excited with the limited time we got to see. Jeez, Jacob's already pulling out the the tricks here. Uh, shout out to everybody in the chat. We appreciate you. <laughs> We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Speaking of bets, so Jacob just pulled up a bet we we made that if SGA makes the All-Star team, I've got to incorporate the lyrics of, of All-Star into a post-game podcast. <laughs> On the bets train, though, I bet it was Kamiya or Silva that Josh Giddy would have 40 blocks this season. He had two tonight. Hey, He's well on his way. I love you it. Just, you just need uh, 20 more games, Nick, and you're there. Hey, it's all we need. So third quarter, Thunder come back. In fact, they go up, what, six or seven there late in the third. Fourth quarter, a lot of back and forth. Timberwolves kind of pulled away late. It was within, it was definitely within reach. Like this game was never out of reach till the final 45 seconds or so. Mm-hmm. But this is where things started to get interesting for me. So starting lineup was interesting. Rotations in the game were whatever. Like I'm not going to fault Mark for his rotations in the first game. Um, Eugene being in the game in crunch time. I get it. He's thick. He's like the only guy that can guard a center, even though he's way shorter than a center should be. I don't know if I love seeing our two-way guy out there in the final minutes of a close game. Um, Pokashevsky looked fantastic through the first 80% of the game. And with three minutes left, four and a half, it was like three and a half, four minutes left. He takes four consecutive shots to pull within reach, and they were all like bad, yeah. bad, 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 bad. So do you, most do you, of them were him as, on some of those. Most of them yes. were him as a role man, and then just like losing track of where Rudy Gobert was and getting looked like old Poku. Yep. You think that was heat of the moment? I, I think you're going to see more of that from him late in games. I think it's a learning curve because when's the last time Poku played in a competitive game, um, like a game of consequence, especially down the stretch that, that late, you know? Yeah. And with those guys he was playing with to your guys's point, like even if it was a close game, he wasn't mm-hmm. playing with Shay and Lou because or maybe Lou Shay and Giddy because they were, they were both out last season. Yeah. Right? But Nick, the, the Eugene thing, if you put me on the spot this morning and gave me 20 opportunities to say 20 statements of something crazy that would happen in this game tonight, none of the 20 would be Eugene Omaruyi playing down the stretch and being a plus 13. Yeah. The dude is like a 230-pound Pat Bev. That's his style. Still don't love it. Yeah, I don't either do I. I don't either. I would I would like to know you, you want to take Omaruyi, but... You want to take? Yeah. If J Dub's eye was still in socket, he would have been getting those minutes. Agreed. And they would have had him on Cat or Gobert. I totally they would have tried. It. 
I would have rather seen Jay Will out there, to be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a great point, too. And Aaron Wiggins. We did not yeah. see Aaron Wiggins at all. I, I kind know of crazy we didn't see Aaron off, Wiggins, considering it, we saw, like, 13 of the 15 guys tonight, 14 right. of the, the 15 guys tonight, whatever. So, Jay Will, uh, Wiggins. Jay, Jay Will and Wiggins were the only two were that the only didn't get minutes. Because Waters was inactive. Mm-hmm. Which, Denver, kind of we could see those two guys play 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Right. Very, very, very easily. Anything else that stuck out, kind of blew through the the flow of the game there? Um, we've talked about a, a handful of the players, but anybody else that stuck out as as a player or any any stats that were intriguing to you when you look at the box score when the, when the game ended? I yeah, mean, there's for... a few guys I want to talk about, um, and, and I'm sure Taylor has some too. Trey Mann seemed a little timid to me uh, at times. Uh, I... There was one possession I remember vividly in the first half where like he had the ball, he got a switch with Rudy Gobert on him, uh, swung it, and it never got swung back to him. And I understand the the offensive philosophy of this team. But if Trey Mann is ISOed on Rudy Gobert, give that man the ball and let him cook. Exactly. You, he can get to that step back on Rudy like no one's business. I thought Trey did some nice stuff tonight. I, I liked uh, his shooting. He was only two of six from three. I'm, I'm glad that he shot six threes. 23 minutes for him is nice. I'm I'm very content with 23 minutes. I think 23 to 25 for him off the bench is really good. Um, but yeah, I just thought maybe at times uh, a little a little passive. It just seemed like he didn't get into his flow uh, and and didn't find his rhythm and was kind of second guessing himself. And I'm gonna chalk that up to to first game jitters. Agree completely. But Jacob, I only chuckled because I literally had the same exact take. And I like I, I as you were talking, I pulled up the the box score. He still had twelve points off the bench on only four of eleven shooting, and he shot the ball eleven times. Like yeah. mm-hmm. you know, that's a timid game for Trey Man. I love every single bit of that because to your point, Jacob Nick, I know you're looking, you're you're thinking of of it as well. Like those shots are gonna fall. Yeah. He's gonna get it going. We're going to see those shot attempts go up during those games when he gets those opportunities. And, and obviously, I, I just. Still very high on Trey, man. Uh, the fact that I thought he had such a, like you were saying, Jacob, more of a timid game. He still shot the ball 11 times off the bench. And, uh, you know, you mentioned the the minutes. Uh, he only one minute more, but he he played a minute more than Kendrick Williams, who was in the starting lineup. So I think they mm-hmm. don't obviously trust him. And uh, we'll be seeing a lot more of Trey, man, throughout the season. I wanted to see him be more physical defensively, too. And I think that may be why, great point. Maybe why we didn't see a lot of him in the second half, like yep. we did in the first half. He'll he'll be. We talked about the secondary scoring option earlier in the pod. I think he will be a guy. Some games when he's cooking, he will be the secondary scoring option. Yeah, I you mentioned maybe that, that you mentioned that earlier, Nick. That who's going to be the second leading scorer? I think it's going to be Shea at number one, and then there's going to be a clump of guys there: uh, Josh, Lou, um, Trey, maybe J Dub. Um, so, so that's interesting. Nick, I wanted yeah. to ask you, uh, a guy that we talk a lot about on this podcast, um, kind of divides the franchise, didn't get a rookie extension going into restricted free agency. Uh, I think we all know how all of us kind of feel about that. There's a good chance he gets traded this year. But what did you think about Darius Baisley? Uh, ends the game, seven points on two of five shooting, six rebounds, three assists. Things were going so well in that third quarter that Baisley threw a 40-foot transition bounce pass that was on target, and I literally 
about shit my pants. Yeah, he I mean and not in a good way. <laughs> he did most of his work early. Like I think the seven points he had were all in the first nine minutes of the game, like in the first half. Um, he didn't get a ton of opportunity in the second, but I mean, for a guy, we're at the point now, none of us think he's going to be some huge extension. Like he's not going to get a Lou Dort deal. Um, I haven't given up on him completely. I just think if he can, if he can knock down 35% of his shots and be a versatile defender, he's worth yeah. keeping around off the bench. The things that worried me about him tonight were like, there were some like rebounds that just bounced off of his hands, some passes that bounced off of his hands. There was a, a really nice pick and roll where he caught it on the roll and didn't even look at the basket and just kind of flipped it up and missed it by like four feet. Yep. Uh, he's very like one track mind and just it sticks out compared to other guys to me. Well, and Jacob, this is something we talked a lot about, Nick, you as well. I mean, all of us really um, heading into the season as well as the preseason, like especially in the preseason, seeing Baze's role really playing more of a backup center role during the preseason. And now tonight he uh, goes from like a starter the past two, three years and only has 16 minutes off the bench tonight. Dignall obviously did not trust him, uh, does not like what he's seen from him. And meanwhile, I mean, to your guys' points, Poku has 24 minutes. And I just, Poku imp- is impacting the game at a higher level. He's fitting into the offense, especially uh, much at a higher level than I think than Baisley is. And uh, I, I think that's worth mentioning. You know, I'm I'm just very curious to see how Baisley's minutes fluctuate moving forward. Yeah. Do we see Baisley in the starting lineup, like you guys said, against Denver in a couple nights? Or what's what's funny is, and this is pivoting back to Poku now. Those four shots he took late. If he makes like two of those four, and the game gets close, and the Thunder tie it, and you you add additional four or five points to his stat line. And, and that's not viewed as a negative part. Like we may be talking about Poku as like the starter for mm-hmm. the season. Yeah, if he if he makes two of those, he is fifteen point seven rebounds, three assists, and a block on the night. Uh, more than a plus five. He ended two of five from three, forty percent. Like he did really good stuff yeah. tonight. And the biggest difference to me, Mark has talked a lot about whoever grabs a rebound can push on this team. I don't know about you guys. When Poku grabs and pushes. And I thought Poku was passive a lot tonight. I thought he had opportunities to attack Me and score and didn't, didn't do so. Um, really like anti-Poku stuff. When Bay, like when Poku gets a rebound and pushes, I feel like something good is going to happen. He's a very adept passer. He had a slick pass to Usman Jang in that first half, first quarter maybe, late in the first quarter, early second, that Us just, just smoked it because my man refuses to dunk a basketball. But anytime Poku brings the ball up the floor, or not, sorry, I'm not Poku, Baisley brings the ball up the floor, I get terrified. Yeah. Like, it's just like, it, it. it's like playing Russian roulette, you know? Something good could happen, or I could blow my brains out. Super quick side note to your point, Jacob. One thing that I noticed with uh, Giddy, because I mentioned this earlier, that like that's one of the players I really want to see a little more aggressive than he was tonight. But I noticed him kicking the ball to Poku in transition, even when they, they were like almost lateral. And I say that, you know, on a basketball court, Poku was obviously over the half court line, was not going to be a, a you know, backcourt violation, but wasn't much of a transition push, you know, a transition pass to Poku. Giddy still almost immediately tried to get the ball into Poku's hands. And I think it's for the very same reasons that you just mentioned, Jacob, that he knows good things happen when Poku is pushing the ball in transition. So uh, that's something to keep an eye on, obviously, moving forward. 
Can you believe you just said good things happen when the ball's in Pookie's hands? I know. I know. I can't. I can't. And <laughs> I still think that, like, I'm saying all this, and we're going to look so stupid, like, two nights from now when Pookie's yep. doing, like, behind-the-back passes into the into Loud City. Hey, he's, but, a, like, he's a changed man. He, he is. is. I love it. People so, can grow, and they can mature. I had one more bullet point on my notes, quote-unquote, that I took tonight. Um, and Carrie in the chat, our good buddy Carrie, asked the same question. Here we go. If Chet Holmgren <laughs> was in this Ugh. game, did the Thunder pull off? I know it's it's impossible to say. Like you could theoretically say you slot Chet in and these fifteen points and you win, but a lot a lot of things change. Does Chet change your outlook of this game? Do you think if he's playing, if you slot 100%. Chet in, championship, one hundred percent. Agreed. Imagine the rim protection. Rudy Gobert can't step out to guard him. Really, like Chet would stretch out the floor, which would open up. I mean, that first half, the problem with the offense was the lane was just incredibly mm-hmm. clogged. Mm-hmm. Yep. You have Chet step out to that three-point line and splash a few in, and Rudy has to step outside, and it opens up so much inside for, for Shea and Josh to work. We'd barely even mention Josh Giddy on this podcast. Yeah. Uh, and I thought he, he <laughs> played really well. Solid. Yeah. Uh, two of seven from three. I don't like the percentage. I love the attempt number. Yes. Yes. 14 points, 11 rebounds, 11 rebounds, only four assists for Josh, um, four turnovers. So he was a one-to-one assist to turnover ratio, but you open up the middle of the floor for those guys. And I mean, it's, it's blouses. I don't, I don't mean to put us in a dark place. The, the reason I, I mentioned that is because a lot of the deficiencies or if you were a, a fan of a different team or, or someone in the national media that didn't cover the thunders closely and you watch them tonight, all of the things that you would write down as like gaps or weaknesses, he fills. Chet fills mm-hmm. those exactly. And they mm-hmm. imagine that starting lineup playing that quote unquote small ball. I even made the comparison to you guys in our Slack of the, I mean, again, I understand this is a little uh, sunshine pumping here, but Kendrick Williams to Draymond Green, right? Like he allows you to play those small ball kind of lineups and it's Chet instead of Poku, but then. Like 10 minutes into the game, or probably less than that, you're able to plug in Poku for Kendrick Williams, and you're playing Poku and Chet together with Poku playing this way. All kinds of excitement. All kinds of excitement. But not to take over Nick's podcast here. Before we get, hey. you know, before we end this, guys, there is a, uh, I, I think there is a superstar on this this basketball team. I really do. Our player of the game? I looked out of shape. I thought he looked like he had heavy legs, and yet he was still the best player on the basketball court. Nick, your player of the game. S G A. We talked about it a little bit earlier. Super slow start. Like if he if he would have had a mediocre start, this dude we're talking about forty points. Like he was very very inefficient in the first half, missing almost everything. Finishes with thirty two points, three steals. Jacob, I want to hear from you. You you tweeted out early in the game that his defense looked better than it had in the past. It looked like he was giving more effort. Do you think S G A is going to be pumping it up on D this year? First two minutes looked awesome. And then after that looked really bad. So he he would just die on screens. But some of that one-on-one defense early on, he had a rip. Um, he had like a... a kind of block, bo- kind of deflection. Yeah, kind of a block <laughs> deflection on, um, uh, I believe it was D'Angelo Russell. Looked really good early defensively. If he remains engaged, he has great defensive tools to guard really like one through three. Um, he's He's willing to kind of get physical down there. Um, I would like to see him be a little more engaged on that end, especially uh, navigating screens. I think that's a big spot of growth for him. If he can get there, 
I mean, 32 points, three steals, five assists. He had like four or five rebounds tonight. He had six. Six rebounds tonight. 32, five, and six. Like, he's not going to average that, but that's that's all-star numbers, man. That is. Played better than uh, than some of his Timberwolf counterparts. I haven't even looked at their stats. And Edwards. Ant four uh, four uh, 17 for well. Ant. Ant will be just fine, just as Shea will be. But, like, I just I can't stop thinking about when Shea has his legs under him. And, and we see him at the level that he played like December, January last season. I mean, what does that look like this season? <laughs> For real. We, the 50 For point real. game? I mean, that was 32 points. I, you I gotta hope so. It's exciting. Any parting thoughts before we jump out of here? It's game one. There's a lot to do. I mean, they played 13 freaking guys. Yeah. Hopefully, J Dub's healthy and okay. Um, <laughs> I'm excited for this season, guys. I'm excited to, to be doing this with you you all. Uh, live stream for an 11 o'clock. <laughs> live stream has been absolutely popping. Uh, we appreciate our fans. And uh, Nick, why don't you tell our fans where they can come hang out with us? Yes. So the next game, Saturday, the 22nd, the against the Denver Nuggets. Another road game before the Thunder come back home. Uh, watch party at Prairie. The uncontested crew is going to be there. We're partnering with Daily Thunder. We're going to have dollar off beer. We're going to have wings, fries, giveaways, stickers. You'll be able to see our hats live and in person. I'll bet you money. Jacob wears his hat. We've still got some of those available. So if you want them, shoot us a DM. After that, the Thunder's home opener will be Sunday. Once again, against the Minnesota Timberwolves. We'll see how the lineups change. And we'll see you then.